Hey, this is Dale Thompson with the band Bride, and you're listening to The Wild Man and Steve Show. We are so excited to have you with us today because we have a special artist with us um, and one who doesn't need an introduction. However, everybody knows, our fans know that Steve knows how to give tremendous introductions and Steve has become known as Mr. Segway. So, Mr. Segway, I'm putting you on the spot right now. What do you have for us tonight? When you told me that we were going to be interviewing Billy Joel, I was so freaking excited, man. I mean, the piano man, like, dude, are you serious? Yeah, I, I saw him oh. on Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I mean, you just said we've got Joel on the show, and I just, I just assumed you meant Billy Joel. So I, I, I'm really excited, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was great, Steve. I don't know if that was any of your, one of your best, but that was that was pretty good. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome Joel Hoekstra with us today here. Um, Joel uh, has uh, tri- Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Cher, Whitesnake, I mean, you name it. Any, basically, what I, I thought about this earlier today, basically anything that has anything to do with guitar in a recent era, you probably have Joel's name somehow attached to it. So, Joel, thank you for coming on the show today. Welcome to the program. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's certainly an honor. Um, you know, Joel, one of the questions that, I, that I, I'd like to ask you is that as a guitarist, um, when I see you on the stage, um, like, let me just give you an example. Um, when you play for TSO and, you know, this, it's, it's solo time, you're playing Canon, um, Christmas Canon, and I've always noticed you're able to, con- you're, you engage the crowd while you're playing the guitar. Now, a lot of times vocalists are able to do that naturally, but not every guitarist is able to do it in the way you do. And you connect with the crowd in an incredible way where you get non-guitarist excited. <laughs> um, what, what is it that inspires you when you're on the stage like that? Oh, I mean, just the opportunity to be there, number one. Uh, I think a lot of that appreciation for it comes from going through so many hard times and having things kind of open up for me later in life, as opposed to some people who, yeah, you know, instantly find success at the age of 20 or something like that. It took me a long time. So by the time things open up for me, I think just greater appreciation for it. And then the connection with the audience, I would say a lot of that came my time at Night Ranger, you know, Brad, Brad Gillis in particular is so good about connecting with the audience. Um, while he was playing Jack Blades. So when I was sharing the stage with those guys, to be able to hold my own and to be able to hold the audience in my area, yeah, it was all about, all about being able to look out. And there was a very specific moment I remember when I joined Night Ranger. We were in Japan not too long after I joined. And I used to hold my guitar a little higher back then and look down at my neck a little bit more and try and play everything just perfectly clean and I remember just coming together with Brad Gillis and playing one of these solos and like looking up in the middle of it and the entire audience was looking at Brad because Brad was looking out and he was gesturing and doing all this stuff and he was connecting with the audience and, and uh, I was getting my ass kicked, you know? So I was like, all right, I can't have that go down like that. So uh, the rest of my time in this band, I, I got to get it together. So they, they were a great inspiration, both those guys with kicking me in the butt 
uh, with being better with that. So there you go. Right. right. So what, what is it you're hearing? What do you hear fans tell you like after a concert or TSO? What, what do you, what, what do you hear them say that they appreciate the most about what you do? Uh, the TSO fans are always great. I mean, that, that's just an awesome experience uh, in itself. Those signing lines, just being able to connect with everybody, say hello to everybody uh, every year. It's part of their tradition and our tradition. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a wide variety of things that get said, but it's usually thank you so much for coming on the road during the holidays and doing this. And uh, yeah. yeah, they're just really nice. I mean, it's amazing. Those signing lines, they give us, presents and i mean it's like it's our christmas it's like a traveling christmas for us <laughs> wow, wow. Um, but in terms of things that get said in general to me i've often thought the most fascinating documentary you could make was just to put a camera over my shoulder and just record everything that's said to me at every meet and greet yeah. or outside the hotels i mean you hear things that just you can't believe you hear at times. It's just, it runs the gamut. It can be anything. And, uh, but I, I, I always thought that would make the best documentary in the world. I mean, you could never do it because it would be totally illegal, right? You could never just use footage of all these people and put it in a movie. But man, I've always thought that would make the best documentary. That would really sum up rock and roll right there. Everything that's said at a meet and greet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There'd be a lot of people that would want to watch that. I'd Again, oh. it'd be legal to do it, but under and, and every one of them would just be like, you know, its own thing. It's it's fascinating the amount of stuff I've had said. Yeah. Well, I've got to I've got to take you to White Snake. So, just I'm a ridiculous White Snake fan, and so many people talk about kind of the real division. Right? There's the, there's the older White Snake stuff, the bluesier stuff, and then from '87 onward, um, you know, a little bit harder, a little bit more toward the metal side of things. You've obviously played it all with with the snakes not as much of the older stuff i, mean, I was going to say which 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 do you prefer obviously you're, you're obviously heavily involved in the new stuff um, i don't know man i mean it's it's apples and oranges you know i mean i I, I i grew up obviously just like everybody else on all david calls it the geffen stuff right mm -hmm. slide it in uh the u.s uh and uh the 87 album and slip of the tongue that's all us U.S. kids, we grew up on that. And it kind of, like, after the fact, you learn, oh, you mean they had a catalog out that was popular in the U.K. before all that? And they, you know, but um, there's a lot of great songs on that old stuff, and I love the, the vibe of it. Uh, so it's just apples and oranges, man. To pick a favorite out of those two, I, I think they're both awesome. Uh, I, I, I feel honored to be a part of it, a small part of the history and play the catalog. Um, but in terms of what's popular in the U.S. and what we play is definitely that Geffen era stuff, without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's the stuff that's the most represented in our set. Every once in a while, we'll play an older track. But Yeah, well, the Purple Tour, I mean, you guys obviously went back to even his uh, Purple stuff. And, and I thought that was such a great, uh, you know, the DVD that came out with that. Uh, that really showed that, and, and you guys guys covered the whole the whole spectrum there, and, and it was just fantastic. It just sounded so good. So you guys handled the the old stuff with the new stuff just seamlessly. And uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, that was a great way to join the band and great material. Um, I only really knew a little bit of it joining the band, um, 
and then obviously listening to it all and I transcribed it all and listen, you know, learned it all, how to play it before I went into the studio. And then, but really the idea was to do our own thing with it. So I, I just wanted to know everything in case David said, Hey, would you be able to quote that after all, like that part that's off the original and for me to right away know it. And, uh, but he definitely wanted us to do our own thing with it and, and make it sound like that, this line of a white snake playing those songs. Well, you, you, something you just said there, and I've kind of always wondered this, and I think a lot of folks might, when you have a guitarist uh, or another member of the band comes into an established group, uh, what kind of instruction did David give you guys in terms of coming to know the, the older material and stuff, obviously, that you hadn't played live before? Um, what did he say to you guys so that you were then ready to go out? And again, like you said, make it your own, but obviously you're, you're, you're playing a the song has already been recorded and everybody knows what that should sound like. Yeah. I mean, I think David's really smart about finding things that fit under the white snake umbrella, as he would say it. And um, he's also talked about the fact, and it's of course very true that white snake has a really wide umbrella. If you think about it, there's, there's been a lot of styles put under it. So um, as long as it fits under there and fits into what white snake would do, then David just wants you to be yourself. If you're ever, bridging into territory that's not white snake he would let you know but um you know, we've been on the same page almost the entire time with anything i've ever played on guitar um every once in a while he'll i mean you know just have he he loves a creative process so he'll get involved if you're tracking if you're tracking something it's not like he just sits back and says just play i mean he's he's got thoughts on it but it's always you know it's always great thoughts hey i he i don't think he's ever uh been highly highly critical of of me since i've been in the band we, he's been phenomenal man just absolutely great uh, real great to work with uh great dude really really just a total pleasure man i i've been uh not, not that i was not that i was anticipating anything bad but i've just been so pleasantly surprised by how awesome david has been to work with and, and now it's been a little over six years already so it's not like you know, it's not like two weeks anymore where I'm saying that. Like, it's been six years and I'm still working. I'm going, man, he's been great. Like, he's, there's really been nothing uh, yeah. bad the entire time. Yeah, well, certainly I'll just say this. The Flesh and Blood was fantastic. Um, it's it's got to be one of the strongest albums uh, in, in recent White Snake history. And uh, yeah. great videos, great response to it. Seems like everybody's really, really digging it. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was uh, obviously, once again, an honor to take like a little, it was the next step, right? Like playing on the Purple album and getting out and touring and seeing the world with David was great. And and, and, and with the, the, the other guys, it's not just David, you know, I mean, it's there's some really iconic guys in this band with Tommy Aldridge and Red Beach and, you know, guys that have really done a lot in the business so um to be like a part of that's an awesome feeling and then uh to get an opportunity to write a bit with david obviously on flesh and blood and and to become more integrated in in the band uh awesome you know joe you, you mentioned earlier about um you use the term success from from a fan let me say from a fan's perspective there's no question that you are incredibly successful in what you do now and you have made a huge impact on the music world and in the guitar industry as well i'm curious you mentioned about the idea of you know those comparing yourself to those who were like had instant success in their 20s okay i'm just <clears throat> curious about what was there a 
time where you said you looked around and said, "Wow, I'm I I made it. I'm doing it now. This is it." Or has it just been a gradual process? Or are you kind of in your own mind still waiting for that day? I just want to get inside your head a bit as far as um, how you view, how you're viewing your career and where you're at with it right now. And um, when, when did you start feeling like this was really something that's powerful that's going to happen? Uh, I mean, I would say it's all of that. All of those perspectives kind of rolled up into one because there's, Every time I had any level, like I came from a small suburb outside of Chicago or, you know, my family did not have a lot of money growing up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think what I'm doing would be, it would have been like deemed like a total pipe dream as a kid. So uh, for me, like every step of the way, like joining something that was big locally was like, man, I've made it. Right. And all at the same time, you want more. And, uh, gosh, what was the third thing you said? Or steady. Yeah. And then it happened steadily. So there's a lot of things that you don't, you don't really notice. I mean, it's kind of all things at, at once, but there's been all these steps where I felt like, yeah, I think you have to have that enthusiasm for it. Otherwise you just quit because the music business is so difficult and uh, you kind of have to go through that whole um, era of your life where your family is like when you grow up like I did at least in the suburbs where they're like you're gonna do what like you know <laughs> can't you just go to college and get a degree and get a job and get married and like you know be the kid yeah. that we're hoping you would have been right right and right. Uh, so you got to be that guy at all the family parties where they're like uh, nobody look over and talk to that guy you know? <laughs> it's many many years of that kind of thing and so uh, but I think so the feeling of like, hey, I'm doing something is always great. Um, and simultaneously, you're right, lots of baby steps. And then at the same time, uh, I also feel like I haven't done anything because these things are always relative, man. I mean, what's success? What's successful? For me, I think the definition of it is really to be able to get through my life never having to do anything else. Like if I can get through and be like, I, I did it. Like I, I, I made it through my life never having to like have the window shut on me. That's a, I watched a lot of good guitar players have that window shut on them. Yeah. It could growing up uh, when I'd being younger, you know, just watching the, Hey, option B, option B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they veer off a little bit. And then it's, uh, you, you talk to them five years later, they barely touch guitar anymore and it's all over. Yeah. And, you know, so, so uh, as you say that you're talking about like in high school. And so did you always see yourself doing this? I mean, no, was, I think I thought there was no way I'd be doing this like mm -hmm. on this level. I think I probably would have been like, Hey, maybe I'll just teach guitar at a music store and I'll figure it out from there. Like kind of thing, yeah. play some shows and that kind of mentality more than like, I'm going to rule the world. You know, I was never that guy, I, but I definitely, uh, grew up with parents who worked really hard, especially my mom was always like a, a real go-getter with, with music. They're classical musicians. So, I grew up around that kind of uh, environment. So I think that that definitely instilled in me the uh, wanting to work hard. And that's still with me. I, I don't, I doubt it's ever going to go away. I don't know. I, I find myself like restless, I guess, if I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you know, just some of the stuff that you got from playing with yeah, guys in Night Ranger. And I'm thinking about, you know, again, some of the great guys that are in White Snake. You played with Cher. 
Um, TSO, you've, you've played with some phenomenal musicians, <laughs> and I'm going to throw a two-parter at you, and, and I imagine you're going to have an easier time answering the first part. The first part is, what have those other musicians brought to you as a musician? How have you grown and developed because of some of the people you've worked with? The second question, um, you're, you're, a, you're a humble guy. Everybody says, everybody who, who's ever talked with you and they mentioned this in interviews, so you're a pretty humble guy. So the second part's probably going to be hard. What do you think you bring to other musicians to help them grow and get better? Uh... Well, I mean, I think you learn from everybody you play with, right? Because everybody's energy kind of feeds off each other. You're always learning by the examples you're seeing, whatever it is. Whatever goes in comes out, right? So I just try to make sure that uh, the people that I'm being influenced by or that I'm around are the positive ones and the people that are putting like, the good energy in. That way I'm doing my best to put out good energy on my side. Um, so that's something like, you know, David is amazing with that. David Coverdell is like the, one of the most positive people I've ever been around in terms of like, just always like exuding positive energy. If looking at, talk about a glass half full guy, man, I mean, he's that guy. So that's something to learn from him, you know, now could some people come into the band and be blind to that and not see it? Yeah, sure. But, uh, I like to think of myself as like always learning because you look at it and it, you, if you can appreciate what people are, what got them where they are. I mean, that, that got David where he is without a doubt. And, you know, it's not a doubt in my mind. It's like, of course he's talented, but like that, that positive attitude and always being able to, you know, chin up and moving forward. And that's, um, so there's something that people can, can bring, I guess, beyond like, hey, check out the scale. <laughs> right? A lot of times it's more of like about the attitude and um, and so likewise, you know, I mean, hopefully, I try to let people though, rather than being like, you know, worried about, uh, uh, I guess, trying to be the big cheese or whatever. I, th I think instead of uh, like thinking about uh, that, trying to build people up, like yeah uh around me so you know just letting people know i appreciate them you know like I, I do that with david all the time let them know and, and it's not like you know never disingenuous always like the real stuff that you're like yeah that's exactly how i feel and uh just try to do that with all the people in the band too you know like point out the the positive stuff there's like certain people that you, you interact with that you just notice are like, oh, they're really dialed in that regard. And they're really, you know, I'm uh, I, on an email guitar thread with some fantastic players and one of the guys on there, Steve Vai. And Steve Vai is just so dialed with that, man. It's like positive energy, positive energy. You cannot pull negative energy out of Steve Vai. It just will not happen. <laughs> it just won't happen. You know, you could probably go up and punch him in the face and he'd be like, great. <laughs> Thanks, man. You know, you're, that was amazing the way you did that. I mean, he's just a very, very positive. I mean, of course, kidding, you know, but I mean, Steve's just a very positive guy. And, and again, a good influence. When you surround yourself with people like that, you interact with people like that, you find like, man, that's so cool, you know, and, and you can, I think you could do these things, put out positive energy without being the, uh, like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, kiss some guy's butt. Like, you know, I mean, if you just can, Instead of like holding in what you actually think are truthfully positive feelings about people, share it with them. I think that's uh, ultimately the uh, maybe I guess what I can bring to a band.
So, you know, one of the things, Joel, that uh, excites, that, that I was excited about um, with, by having this interview, of course, is that I'm a guitarist myself, and we're from the same era. Um, uh, I, I, I graduated in 90, uh, so a similar era. And I always, I had my mindset that that was what I was going to be, you know, and I had the hair, I had the whole works and everything. And as you can see, all that's changed, everything. <laughs> I, I'm the guy, I'm that guy you talked about that didn't touch it for five years and all that, you know? Yeah. So I'm just curious. I, I, I know there's guys like me that are out there that are kind of in the middle age and they're seeing a guy like you, which is a similar age. And they're saying, Hey, I could do that. You know, let me get my guitar back out. I mean, you inspire. There's no question. When you we hear you play, I think you you, you tweeted at you retweeted something I tweeted uh, uh, about a year ago where I said, um, "Thanks to Joel Hoekstra, the the man who saved the guitar solo." Because <laughs> there's so many bands today, the modern day bands, you don't hear the solos like we did in the '80s. Every single song had the solo or the harmonized solo. Um, what advice do you have for anyone out there who listens to you and says, man, I would love to just get better and I would love to, to play better. I see where you're teaching now. And I think, you know, the online teaching I think is great. Um, but what advice do you have for guitarists that are out there that are just inspired by you and they want to take that next step? Yeah, it's, that's just all about work and putting time into it. That's all. I mean, there's no great mystery of the universe with that one. I mean, if you want to get better on guitar, you just play it. Uh, it's just like anything else in life. The more time you spend doing it, the better you're going to be at it. So, and it's not like I'm still like not on that journey too. I'm totally on that journey. I mean, I'm out of what I would like to be able to play. I've gave me a break. I'm you know, not even, not even close to what I would like to be, you know? So it's like you, you, it, music is just infinite, man. You just put in what you can and uh, just do your best at it. But uh, in terms of, getting better that's all that's to that now now the window shuts again though if life is giving you all these other things you have to do and there's only so much time and energy you have in a day so it's yeah. that same thing about a just only having so many hours in the day that we always deal with everybody deals with that right so that's where it always gets everybody in the end and and uh i tell all my students that are taken from me right now it's more about being the person that plays every day than being the person who plays like seven hours one day and then doesn't touch it for two weeks, right? Because if the hard, the hardest thing is to be the person who when you get home after you work 10 hours and you exercise or something that day too, and you're just like, man, all I want to do is just lie down and just yeah. Yeah. like watch TV to be the person that goes, right, I'm going to pick it up for five minutes. That's the, that's the difference maker right there, that moment. Because then if, you, if you're the person that picks it up for five minutes and you've, you play every day, never known anybody that played every day that didn't get great on guitar. So, and you, odds are if you pick it up and you get it in your hands for five minutes, you're going to hold it for more than five minutes. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's, it's that moment of actually just, tells you to turn it down. Yeah, <laughs> it's that moment of just putting your hands for five minutes, and um, and I also like to say, look, if you play guitar every day, you're a guitar player. Don't care if you're a professional or amateur, but you're a guitar mm -hmm. player. Mm -hmm. So if you yeah. if you play guitar every day, now if you're the person who says, yeah, I play guitar, and you say, well, 
you know, when's the last time you played it? Oh, a couple of weeks ago. I, have, I haven't had time the last couple of weeks. You're not a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta play it. You gotta play it every. If you play every day, man, that's you're a guitar player. Yeah. Wow. That, no, I think that's solid advice and something that you know a lot of folks gonna be able to take with them. And speaking of guitar players, um, man, you've been hanging out with Michael Sweet a lot uh, the last few years. You did a couple tracks on uh, his One Sided War. Uh, you did some stuff on 10, and we've been hearing some stuff out there. Uh, are you guys maybe going to be doing a full album together, maybe? Yeah, we just signed on to uh, do a project album uh, with Nathan James, our, our mutual friend Nathan James. So uh, we'll see what becomes of that. I mean, it's a, it's a little ahead of the game right now. Um, we're not really going to do anything with it, uh, even songwriting-wise, I think, until the first of the year. So until we get into 2021, but we'll see what becomes of it. I mean, I'm excited. I love Michael's work ethic and um, I, just him as a musician, talented guy, super nice guy, very one of those positive energy guys I'm talking about. So um, That's what I was thinking about when you were saying that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely like Michael. He's been a great guy to me, uh, great, great influence. One of those people that, yeah, you have him around, feel like you have a positive influence around you. So um, that's totally cool. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I've got to ask a, a question. I don't know how many folks really picked up on this. I heard, I've heard it now a couple of times. You've probably done it more than that, but I heard it once uh, in a solo that you were playing with Cher, and then I heard it once in um, uh, something you guys did on the, on the Purple Tour. So you're out there, you're doing a solo thing, it's going along, and I'm going, that little part right there, that, that sounded like Amazing Grace. And I've heard that now a couple of times. It, 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 am, I, am I hearing that right? Uh, really only, only with uh, my White Snake live solo in 2015. I had it in there, and uh, it's on Undefined as a hidden track, my first instrumental CD. If you let the last track keep rolling, like about three, four minutes in, you'll hear uh, Amazing Grace play like as a, like a hidden track. But not, I mean... Not really. I never played it with Cher, but uh, okay, with White Snake in 2015 and then on that CD is like a hidden track. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I go, I'm listening to that, I'm going, wait a minute, that, that, that's Amazing Grace in there. So, yeah, it's cool. I, I wanted to have something in there that was, I just know from a fan perspective, when you hear a guitar solo and uh, it's the time to go get the beer or the bathroom break thing that everybody jokes about. It's like familiarity is a wonderful thing. When somebody yeah. quotes something, you're like, hey, he's playing that song. Right. And I, it's like, for, so I was like, I'm just going to have mercy upon these people. And then I happen to think about like, what's something kind of bluesy where I could play, uh, possibly shred a little bit, but play just kind of tasty bend stuff. And that just, that came to mind as, uh, cool. yeah, as something that would fit where you could play the melody over the changes and have it be yeah yeah wow. uh, that was neat that, yeah that was really, really cool yeah so you know uh, with that joel um tso uh, i want to talk about that for a moment because i was telling steve before before you came on um and in my from my perspective at least uh tso really rocked Christmas. Like it, 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 it took it up to another level to the point where 
I have talked to people in their 70s that would never attend a rock concert, but they will go see TSO because it's Christmas, right? Yeah. So, so what has been your understanding of, of how TSO has accomplished that, how they've kind of bridged that because they're, they really rocked it up. I mean, it's not anything di- any, any different than what they'd hear at a rock concert, but they still just celebrate it. Yeah, I mean, that just, that speaks to the mad genius that was Paul O'Neill, man. I mean, you know, Paul, yeah, yeah. Paul had this thing that on paper you go, well, there's, there's no way that's going to work. I mean, if, if uh, we still sit on the bus at the end of a two-show day with TSO, we'll just look at each other and go, like, can, can you believe we just, I mean, we were just in there and we played <laughs> for two shows. We packed the arena both times. I mean, it's like, it's amazing when we sit and, and marvel at the fact that it all worked and Paul knew it would. Um, somehow he just found the right combination, man. You know, it's like a, the mad scientist. He, uh, he was a special guy. And so, uh, I mean, my life is better because he was, uh, you know, a total brilliant uh, madman i mean he just came up with this crazy concept and it, it worked clicked wow magic in a bottle man yeah it certainly is. It is. I, I know, you know, we were planning on going to see you this, this year, but I'm sure COVID has affected that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember, I think it was last year, I just started looking and I was like, I can't really get a seat. <laughs> TSO is just... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as the years have gone by and the, the bands have kind of been going like this, TSO has been going like this, and I'm like, I mean... How is this happening? It's awesome, you know. I mean, it's a. But I used to say that to Paul O'Neill. Probably the last thing I, I said to him, honestly, is like, "Man, you know what you're doing here gets more and more special as the years go by." Because, wow. I mean, to be able to have the opportunity to go out on stage and play with that kind of production, what bands are doing that nowadays, man? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. like, and to play with like, for thousands of people in a day i mean if you add those audiences up you're playing for 25 30,000 people sometimes a day so you start to talk about stuff that just doesn't happen anymore too often i mean there are some bands able to do it but not many do you have a favorite i think we touched on some of this but just want to get more specific do you have a favorite tso song slash solo that you love to do on stage the most uh, I'm not a big favorites guy because my mind kind of always ticks on just trying to play everything in the show the best. Cause I think if I like really, Hey, I love playing, uh, whatever wizards in winter, but like, and then I screw up the next song. I'm going to beat myself <laughs> up all night because I screwed up the other song. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, there's not really a favorite, man. I'm just, I'm just lucky to have any of these opportunities. And, and my mind is always working on like playing the best I can, no matter what the song. All right, here we go. Speed round. So, uh, legendary guitarist that you speed wish round with could... Steve's Mr. Segway. Here we go. <laughs> legendary guitarist you wish you could have played with back in the day, or could play with now. Uh, man. Hmm. I don't know if I had if I had like a, a lot of money, I'd I'd love to just hire like a lot of great guitar players to just come over and 
jam with me, teach, you know, give me a lesson or two, whatever, you know, just, I don't know that there would necessarily be one, but I would pick like all the, all these people who you admire, like, Hey, come on over and let's jam a little bit. Show me what, you, show me what you do. Uh, um, just to have that experience with you. That'd be very cool. Okay. Saturday morning breakfast with your kids, uh, pancakes or waffles. Um, I'm, I'm neither, but my, my kids like both. Uh, but I, I'm kind of neither, I would say. I mean, the only, the only way either one of those are good is you load them up with butter and like syrup. I mean, that's, that's what tastes good, the butter and the syrup. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me a bowl of that. That's all I want. Pretty much, man. Just, you know, anything with butter and syrup, great. Okay, so you missed, you missed the bus going to the next gig, uh, and you've got a chance to jump on a really hot motorcycle or a hot sports car to get to the gig motorcycle sports car sports car all the way my it was one of my mom's only things she ever said to me was no motorcycles is like you know <laughs> you can be you can be the best driver in the world but somebody could still hit you in a car and you're gonna lose a leg so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly she was always like just no motorcycles <laughs> That was always a big thing when we were kids. Just don't ever grow up to ride a motorcycle. But I, I, I'm, you know, I'm getting to that that middle age crisis too of like wanting us. Like I would just love to have a sports car right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I live in New York City, so I don't even own a car. Uh, so uh, really, that's something people don't really even know about me. But I just have no need for one. I mean, with public transportation here, and I would have nowhere to keep it. That would be safe without you have to pay hundreds of dollars to have even just a parking spot in a parking garage somewhere that you'd have to take a train there anyway to go get your car and what's the point so um yeah i I, but i i have to admit lately i've been like man that'd be so awesome i'd love to have a ferrari or something (laughs) (laughs) there's probably more noble things though to spend my money on than that but uh i have to admit there's been times lately where i've been like that would be so cool never had never had a cool car (laughs) (laughs) all right last one high school teacher has to ask this we're going to take you back to your own high school days you said you don't really go for favorite stuff so we're not going to ask you that question your best subject in high school what was your best subject Hmm. man i i was not great in high school I was like guitar was still my best subject. I couldn't wait to get home and play guitar. That was, I remember just begging my mom, like, please let me drop out. There was a, there was a, there was a guy and it wasn't to be lazy. It was to practice. Like I, I had just had a thing. There was like some guy who had, uh, hooked up with a girlfriend and had moved to our area and he didn't have to go to school because he was from out of the areas from out of state. And so he was 16, I think at the time. And everybody was like, Oh man, have you heard, man, he's practicing eight hours a day, man. He's unbelievable. You got to hear this guy. And he's practices eight hours a day. And I was like getting home from school and doing my homework. And I'd have like, I'd get in like three hours and I'd go to bed going, I'm never going to be good. I'm only <laughs> practicing three hours a day. Like I'm, welcome to the eighties. Right. I mean, when yeah. we all practice, our ass off and and i was like just miserable i remember legitimately begging my mom i was like if you let me drop out the last two years i'll go back to high school someday i just really like please so that was guitar always guitar (laughs) so quickly follow up to that and just a a question for me is uh why what do you think it is about the instrument of the guitar 
that drew so many of us, but especially you, in the 80s to play. Like you mentioned, I mean, you could find a uh, teenage guitar player, what, every other household probably? I mean, at least, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, who knows, man? I don't know. It's a very versatile instrument. I think you can make a lot of different sounds between the electric and acoustic and obviously nylon string, steel string, the different tunings. And so I think there's just so many different approaches you can have to guitar. But uh, I mean, for me, it was always like, you know, the initial thing was ACDC, Angus Young, seeing him and just being like, that dude's the coolest dude in the world. Like, I want to be that guy. And uh, that's what got me into it. And all the hard rock stuff, heavy metal early on and branched out from there. Wow. So you've accomplished a lot. There's no question. I mean, here you are, you know, Whitesnake, TSO, Cher, you know, your time with Night Ranger. It, it's hard to ask this question, but what's next? <laughs> You've already done so much. What is next for Hoekstra? I know that 2020 is difficult with COVID and understand that, but what are your plans for the future here concerning Whitesnake specifically, TSO, Michael Sweet you talked some about, um, what's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, let's see. I mean, I just turned in my album, uh, the Joel Hooksha's 13, uh, next album, the follow-up. Um, oh, great. So the debut was out in 2015 called Dying to Live. So that got done during this. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, I've been teaching Skype lessons. I think I have 32 students a week right now, doing master classes, uh, been... Uh, doing those quarantine videos. Those that haven't seen the last couple I've done, like uh, Jane with Mike Portnoy and Dino Jalusic. And um, I just put out another cover of Stormbringer, even though Whitesnake had already done one, but uh, did did one with Dino Jalusic and Virgil Donati and Tony Franklin. Um, so that's up. So been doing those and uh, I have, let me think what else has been really happening here. I gotta gotta think. The quarantine videos, the teaching, uh, several several projects. I mean, I, I've just been really busy. I've been playing a lot of sessions because everybody's recording right now. So a lot of people have been hiring me to play solos on their stuff or track rhythms on their stuff. And in terms of like all the main gigs like TSO and Whitesnake, that's up to the world, man. You know, when we can have mass gatherings again. And when we get to have mass gatherings again, I'm sure every, we'll get back out there and, and hit the road. I mean, at this stage of the game, we're all just kind of like, gosh, I hope it comes back ever, you know? Like, I mean, but if not, I'm just going to keep being productive and moving forward. That's all my mindset's ever in is like, just be productive and move forward. And um, life just has a funny way of providing things you never thought it would. Uh, I, all kinds of things, like you mentioned the Cher thing. It's like, I never sat around as an 11 year old learning Black Sabbath songs going, someday I'm going to play with Cher. You know? <laughs> but it turned, turned, turned out to be a gig that I was really great for me and, and did yeah. a lot of good things. And, and same with the Broadway, uh, the show Rock of Ages. I, I always use those two as the examples of like things that come out of left field where you're like, what? Like <laughs> I never, same deal, was never sitting there playing ACDC at 11 years old going, someday I'm going to be in a Broadway show yeah. ever. That yeah. never happened. But that, that actually, that show really changed my life, man. It changed my financial reality and gave me an opportunity to gig every day for over six years and, and tour with Night Ranger and Trans-Siberian through that time as well. So uh, you can never tell what life is going to present to you. You just have to stay positive and keep working hard. And then um, these, they do your best at every turn. And all of a sudden you'll find yourself. And sometimes it's stuff you would expect. Other times it's stuff you wouldn't expect. 
Yeah, sure. Well, you know, one of the things, Wildman and Steve, what we're, what we're about is uh, promoting the positive music that is out there which is why we've had Michael Sweet on, which is why we're having you on. Um, what can we do or what, what can your fans do best to support what you do? Um, I mean, you know, look, I'm happy to any level. If you want to write me an inbox and be like, hey, man, heard this or that, great job. All that stuff means something. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're a guitar player, you want to take some lessons, cool. Uh, the schedule's full at the moment, but, <laughs> but I'll get you in. I promise. And, uh, I mean, outside of that, I'd love it if people would buy my albums and listen to it, or if they, there's something I, I'm doing that they like, spread the word, you know, uh, I've been doing cameos. Uh, so people can always, you know, hit me up there. Uh, but I don't, you know, some of that stuff feels like I'm begging for money. I don't want to beg for money. I'm doing fine with all that stuff. So, um, the, the cameo thing and, uh, web store. Uh, but again, that's, that starts to sound like, you know, I'm like, Hey, help me make a living or, um, but whatever, you know, I, I appreciate just support period. Good. Joel, man, we sure appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate you being on the show and, uh, I really just getting to hang with you. I, like I said, one of the things I've, I've seen, uh, seen it in the video interviews you've done before, I've read about it from other people who've talked with you. Uh, this is you're just a humble guy and uh, just a, a good guy to hang out with. So we, we appreciate your time. Cool. Well, right back at you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, let's do it again sometime. Hopefully when the new album comes out. I think that's going to be, I think it's early next year. All right. Very good. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much. Right on. Thank you so much, guys. Have a nice night. You too. Thank you too. It was such an honor to have Joel Hoekstra as a guest on our show. The man has accomplished so much, and yet has a very humble way about him. He is more than a performer. He looks for ways to connect with others, as this interview proved, as well as investing in others, teaching many students. One lesson all of us could learn from this is that regardless of how successful we are, we all should use our gifts to touch the lives of others. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen or go directly to wildmanandsteve.com. We will see you next week. Wild Man and Steve.